This is Kyle McCord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the W Debate. Welcome to the W Debate. All right, boys, are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. You jumped up and... That's Austin Nate, who is going to be that guy. And for me, Bijan Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins and then tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. We're going to say he stepped out, but I'm... I'm Felix Sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. For screen or draw. Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello! Columbus 51 yards! Bruno, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. I got it. Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. I'm... Well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Our apologies to Kurt Street and Adam Time will get to reschedule soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin Nate, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's 9.30 in the most profitable U.S. time zone per capita. That means it's time for the Debbie Debate, brought to you by CampusCan.com. That's Matt Brunner, that's Austin Nace, and I'm Felix Sharp on a surging version of tonight's show. Who should be on your Do Not Draft list? We give away another Listener League entry, and we give away the Javante Williams jersey. But we start with a little bit of an elephant in the room, as this week in our group chat, Austin alluded to the fact that he was completely off of a player that I'm really eye on. And he didn't say it uh, directly at first, only indirectly. And I had to pull it out of him. Austin, explain yourself. Felix, I know I know you were excited to redeem yourself uh, on our little intro mishap last week. But you had another one this week. <laughs> Matt right. literally just asked in the chat if you could toss it to him first. He has some breaking news. Oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, so I'm gonna toss. I'm gonna. I'm gonna toss it to Matt here, and then we'll, I'll dive in on on uh, on on. That's going why we after do a Felix pre-show. A That's why we put a show sheet together. It just happened. It just happened. What do you want me to do? Oh, okay. Go ahead. Oh God. What What is going on? What's happening? <laughs> He muted himself. What What's going on here? I just messed it all up. There's supposed to be an MVP chant going on there. It's just, you know, Moxley shouted out the gold stars for me, MVP of last week's show, even though I wasn't here. I just wanted to throw myself a little bone, you know, a little love, 
uh, at the beginning of the show here. There was supposed to be a whole MVP chat going. I messed up the audio, so don't worry about it. Continue. Sorry, guys. Thanks. I'm going to leave this up for the rest of the show, by the way. You're up, Austin. That's a cute graphic. Did you make it yourself? I did. I did. I did. Yeah, it works really cute. I think it, it looks good. Yeah. I was trying to get the stars a little bit shorter, but that didn't work. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're very artsy, man. That's, Thank you. That's Thank some you. cute stuff. I take that as a compliment. Can I just point out that you're getting on me and then like the audience is just going to hear silence during your uh, MVP There was a tad bit of clapping. Or whatever. I, can, I can play I mean, the MVP thing if you want. Here, I'm gonna, give me uh, one second. Go ahead, Austin. What, what was it that you wanted to say? So I, I guess this has been festering for a while. I, I'm just really confused as to Felix's ranking on Mario Williams. And it came to a head the other day in the Discord where he said that somebody traded in front of him and t- took Mario Williams in front of him. I said, well, you probably got saved from yourself. <laughs> so here, there's just a couple things that, like, you have him ranked like he's your ninth wide receiver. He's literally the yeah. exact same player as Marvin Mims. I'm not sure they can coexist, and Marvin Mims has already proven that he can do it in one year there. You know, I get that there's value in Oklahoma receivers, but he's small at 5'9", 180. Um, and actually, that weight's a little higher. I thought he looked lighter than that, to be honest. Um, and he had a few decent moments in the spring game, but he also had a horrific fumble and a terrible drop downfield that never should have happened. Like, I, he's far from a finished product. I was not a big fan of his high school tape. He's quick and he's shifty, but he never blew me away with, like, actually being a receiver. And like I, I just think he's he's basically worse Marvin Mims that hasn't proven himself. Like one of them has to stay in the slot. Like I, I don't think Williams can play outside. Mims is going to take that job, and I don't think Mims can play outside. Like neither of them can play outside. So you have to do something with one or the other. One spot's going to be Mike Woods. I don't know the Theo Weiss or Jaden Haswell. I don't know who the other one's going to be. But then like I, I just I I don't he doesn't play this year. Before I respond to these criticisms, Austin. We have a show every Wednesday night, and if you ever have any disagreements with my rankings, you can tell me on the Debbie debate. I'd rather just be petty in the Discord. Is that is that no. an option still, or no? Okay, I have to that do it on the show. That is what okay. we are here for. Okay. Reginald okay. Rose, Rose is twelve angry men. I don't know if anyone has ever seen him play. Essentially, one guy who goes around and and, and changes everyone's um, vote in a jury to not guilty just just goes by and um picks out everyone's prejudices and preconceived notions and it's truth by combat where he challenges everyone's thinking and basically gets everyone to change their vote you know one one man at a time 12 angry men it's a classic play that's what we're supposed to do here that's what we're supposed to do here so come with the truth, Austin, and challenge me. Now, as to those claims, I don't think that Marvin Mims and Mario Williams are the same. I think that Mario Williams it can play both inside and outside and be a slot receiver or stretch the field from the outside. I think that Marvin Mims is more of a field stretcher. And Marvin Mims is a more of a, you know, is a thinner uh, type, wide receiver body type, and Mario Williams has, even though he's, smaller he's a thicker player and he's been reported to be the you know the fastest receiver in training camp and got the playing time that he did with the ones there in the spring game i'm gonna rank him aggressively i'm gonna rank him aggressively uh you have him as your number one freshman now right i think i have number two to jojo earl 
You still have JoJo ahead of him? Okay, because that was my next question. Like how? Yeah, no, I have. I think I have him number two to JoJo Earl. I think I have JoJo Earl at number nine, and I have Mario Williams at number um, number ten. Mario. Lower and than both of those players are are worse for you. Lower than like the Ohio State guys who both looked good yes. this spring as well. Yes, yes, lower than them. And what do you think Mario Williams' best like best outcome is? I mean, I think his best outcome is a 2-2 Atwell or, quite frankly, a Eli Moore-type role in Oklahoma's offense. You know, the I guy, see that But you don't love Eli Moore, right? I, I like So, Eli. like, I'm just confused as to, like – <laughs> I'm fine with Eli Moore. I'm fine with Eli Moore. Just at cost, you don't love Eli Moore. Is that the, the true, though? That That was, like – Back in November, that we had that conversation about Eli Moore. My position has since my position has since changed. I mean, is I mean, I've drafted him in a bunch of places. Okay, I'm not, I haven't said anything bad about Eli Moore recently. Do you think Moore can play outside, or do you think he's a slot? Yeah, I do. Okay, now, I think he's going to start in the slot, but I think he can play outside. I mean, a, guy, a wide receiver can play outside if they can get off the line of scrimmage. I think Mario Williams can do that. I think that uh, Eli Moore can do that. I think that JoJo Earl can do that. Okay. We shall see. Come with the challenges anytime, Austin. Wednesday nights, 930. You know, it's it's called the Debbie debate for, for a reason. Burning, where do you land on? Is my ranking of Mario Williams too aggressive? I mean, I have him at 102 right now, I think. So I'd say, yeah. <laughs> just a little bit. Whoa, do you really? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I do, yeah. I was just looking at it to be like, where do I have Mario Williams? Yep, 102, <laughs> which is probably... That's like everybody else's end. ranking combined equals yeah. Max. That's, a, that's an issue on my end. I don't know why I have him that low. He shouldn't be that low, but yeah. I, I mean, I, it's hard for me to say where I'd have him. I'm, I haven't gotten to my wide receiver rankings. That's tomorrow. I just finished up my QB and running back ones. But I, I don't see him doing much this year. So, no. And then I don't know. You know, I, I'm, I've come around a little bit more on Caleb Williams than I was on him before the spring game and everything else. You know, mostly Austin and everybody else kind of shitting on him as, as a QB prospect. And he looked good in the spring game. Maybe he can be good for that offense, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not as high on him. I don't even have him in my freshman rankings in the top five, I don't think. At well, I'm not alone here in this opinion. 24-7 sports, ESPN, have identified Mario Williams as a potential breakout as early as, as this year and have cited how well he's done in camp. So, like, I'm not, I'm not here on an island with my love for Mario Williams. Well, let's move on. Let, they, okay. they had Julian Fleming as the wide receiver one last year too, so you know <laughs> they're not infallible. Hey, we'll put that out there. Isn't that isn't that uh, Felix's guy as well? I Start figured to, that comment would double her. Yes. Start to see a trend evolving here. All right, uh, I posted something on Twitter earlier this week, and I can't remember. I feel like I heard this on a podcast, but the question was essentially: Should the Browns uh, trade Baker Mayfield? for Aaron Rodgers, and I feel like, Austin, you and I agree on this one, where the answer should be unequivocally yes, but for some reason, Matt Bruning is saying, no, let's not trade Baker Mayfield. Uh, now it's your turn, uh, Bruning, to explain yourself. Well, we obviously got into a very lengthy discussion about this on the Twitter thread uh, last week while I was on vacation 
Uh, I, I'm not trying to say that Baker Mayfield is a better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers. He is not. I don't ever think he'll even come close to Aaron Rodgers' ceiling. I, I love Baker. I think he's a very good quarterback. Don't know if he'd ever even make it into the Hall of Fame discussion where Aaron Rodgers, I think, is a walking Hall of Famer. All things I said on the Twitter thread. My biggest thing, as I brought up on there, is the contract situation and what that means for the Browns moving forward. That is a big deal for me. The Browns, I think, are set up to win now. So I want to ask you two something really quick before I continue on my point. The Cleveland Browns, where do you think they are AFC-wise, just AFC, not factoring the NFC, on Super Bowl favorites or a team to make it out of the AFC and go to the Super Bowl? Where would you rank them? Uh, top five, something like that. I think I'd put them fourth, probably. Fourth? Okay, so Vegas odds have them at three, I think. Let me pull What do they have behind up? the Bills and the Chiefs? Uh, sorry, fourth in the AFC, the uh, the Chiefs, the Bills, the Ravens, and then the Browns, which I do agree with. I, I mean, Lamar and the Ravens have proven it. The past three years, Lamar has been a starter. They have gone to the playoffs. I know Joe Flacco started that first year with Lamar, and he ended up taking over. They've gone to the playoffs. They've consistently beat the Browns, so I think you still have to put them over them. Good roster, offense, and defensively. Although I do, if I'm remembering this correctly, believe that Baker and Lamar now both have the same amount of wins in the postseason, but that's neither here or there at the moment. Uh, so Baker Mayfield last year, the, the biggest thing, his rookie Rogers season. Rodgers had the Super Bowl. I mean, well, I don't know what point Lamar mean. Jackson, not Aaron Rodgers. Why would I say Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers has got infinite amount of, of playoff wins over I, Baker. No. I mean, I'm saying that's the comparison. No, Lamar. Baker, no, no, I know. I was, I was taking a shot at Baltimore and Lamar. Felix, calm down. Okay. We're getting to the Rodgers right. thing. So my biggest thing with Baker Mayfield is his rookie season, he had a decent season. Sophomore year, not so much. I truly blame most of that on Freddie Kitchens and everything going on. It was just a completely dysfunctional team. Last year, Kevin Stefanski comes in. Before the bye week, which, you know, in my opinion, no training, no real training camps, no preseason, limited practices, all the COVID stuff going on last year, that affects players. Felix, you played at a higher level than me and Austin ever got to. Would you agree that practice and doing all this stuff, you can sit down and look at a playbook all you want, but not being out there on the field with the players matters. Yes? I mean, yeah, but if we could have – we had a really good quarterback, Colin Finnerty. Um, I think he might even have made it to the college football Hall of Fame. Don't don't quote me on that. But if we could have replaced him Locks with Aaron Rodgers – we would have been. We would have done that in a heartbeat. Well, yeah, of course. So, anyways, before the bye week last year, he was one thirty-seven for two twenty-three, sixty-one percent completion percentage with a, a tight a tight end touchdown to interception ratio of fifteen to seven for fifteen hundred and fourteen yards. Goes into the bye week, and I was saying it all last year. We talked about it on this podcast. Coming out of the bye week, I thought Baker was going to take off. He finally got that week learning more and more of Kevin Stefanski's system. You go back and look what Kirk Cousins did that first year with Kevin Stefanski. He kind of took off as well. 168 of 263, bumped up his completion percentage a little bit, 63%, but 11 for one on the touchdown-to-interception ratio, 2,049 yards. So more than half of his yards came on that second half of the season. In eight games last year, he had a QBR of over 80. The Browns went 7-1 in those games. Only Aaron Rodgers, who we are talking about, and Patrick Mahomes had more 80-plus QBR games last year. In, what was it, air yards or completion percentage in air yards, Baker Mayfield was six on that list. You know who wasn't ahead of him? Aaron Rodgers. My biggest thing is I don't think it's a massive step up at this point from Rodgers to Baker. Does Rodgers make them a better Super Bowl contender? Yeah, maybe by a little bit. Does he probably get them maybe over the hump against Kansas City? Yes, maybe. Baker almost got him over the hump last year. You bring on Aaron Rodgers, whose contract this year alone is $37 million, I believe. $38 million. Next year, 
$39 million. And then the last year of his contract, $28 million. Baker's not going to get that kind of money. He's not Aaron Rodgers. You have Denzel Ward, Nick Chubb, J.C. Treader all coming up for the Browns in the next two years to get contracts. Austin, I know you commented on the thread, Nick Chubb is just a running back. You can go draft another one. I disagree with that. Who's the best running back coming out this year that could be anything close to Nick Chubb? Maybe Isaiah Spiller. I think they're somewhat comparable. But Isaiah Spiller does not have the breakaway speed that Nick Chubb has. When Nick Chubb gets in the open field, he can leave people behind. And I like Kareem Hunt, but I don't think he's what he was in Kansas City's offense with Andy Reid, if that makes sense. He, he was good last year without Chubb, but I don't think he's that RB1 we saw in Kansas City. I think they need to pay Chubb. I think they need to pay Ward to keep that defense good. And definitely J.C. Treader, who stepped up and was like a solidifying factor of that offensive line. So if you keep Baker Mayfield, maybe you don't win the Super Bowl if you get Aaron Rodgers. But I disagree with you guys saying his window's five more years. I think it's at best three, maybe four if you're stretching it. Baker Mayfield has already taken you further than anybody has ever done in Cleveland Browns history. I think he's a upper-tier quarterback that can take them to a Super Bowl as he came close to doing it last year in a COVID season, not knowing this offense, new team. They've got even better weapons. Hasn't had more than 10, 12 games with Odell Beckham Jr. Defense is improving. I think this team is primed to win for the next decade, and I feel weird saying that as a Browns fan. And I think bringing Aaron Rodgers in there just disrupts everything. Yeah, see, I think I, I have a couple issues with what you said. The, the biggest one, I think, being the money issue the Saints just proved for the last decade that the salary cap doesn't exist. Like if People you really, say if that, you, but if, if that was it true, doesn't matter. you would see super teams everywhere. You do not see that. I'm sorry. I, I know the whole narrative that the salary cap is a myth. I don't believe that because if that was true, then you would see a bunch of the best players playing on the same team for a shit ton of money. Look at all the players who took pay cuts to go to Tampa Bay. That's the closest thing we've had to like a super team outside of the Eagles when they brought in Vince Young or whatever, and that Mike Vick and Vince Young called them a super team. All those people going to Tampa Bay were taking pay cuts. Aaron Rodgers is not coming to Cleveland taking a pay cut. Denzel Ward, Dick Chubb, J.C. Trader, they're not going to take pay cuts. I, You can restructure a bunch of those guys, and like I said, I'll stand by it. Nick Chubb in that scenario is not worth resigning. I'm sorry. Like if you're 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 talking about the money and then you're talking about this as like a ten year window, Brand, uh, Matt. I can tell you're a Browns fan because that's really not how it works. Like you don't consistently contend for ten years. Really, it's pretty rare. Like the Patriots with Tom Brady are like the only team in the past twenty years that has really right. I'm not saying go to the like, Super Bowl every this year. Is a, but yeah, this is a three to four. To- Contend to three, win an AFC, AFC North championship? Yes, a, I do think they a could. A three-year window with a bunch of guys on cheap contracts. How this long is, is, you, how this long is, is when you go and get aggressive. How long has Pittsburgh been contending for the AFC North? That's what I'm talking about. I'm not saying Super Bowl. AFC North title, every single, which gets you into the playoffs. That's well, all that matters. if you're content with just the AFC North, then yeah, keep Baker. Because if you get into the playoffs, you have a chance to win. Look at the shitty Giants teams who did it twice as wildcard teams. You guys, you guys, what you may want to make it sound like Baker took Kansas City to the ropes when Kansas City literally had the worst case scenario they possibly could have had unfold in the playoffs, and they still beat you. No Mahomes for half the game. The I, offensive I'm line is fucking decimated. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong you know. on that. I'm not saying you're wrong, but they still held Kansas City down when Patrick Mahomes was in there before he got hurt. They were limiting him to field goals. That was my argument two weeks ago, whatever it was, when we last were talking about the Browns. 
They were and having Aaron Rodgers doesn't change that at all because that's the defense. I didn't say like, it doesn't. He, he is it a loves... souped-up version of Baker Mayfield. Like I'm not saying he's not, but you're you guys are talking about like if we bring Aaron Rodgers in, it's a guaranteed Super Bowl win for the Browns, and that's complete bullshit. You cannot Baker, guarantee Super Bowl. I think the point is is that it substantially increases their yes. odds of making a Super Bowl and getting over the Patrick Mahomes. I think you're overestimating. Um, that, but you know who's scared of Baker Mayfield? Nobody. You know who's scared of Aaron Rodgers? A lot of people. Yeah. All right. Tweet at the show and let us know. Um, should the if the if that trade were available, should the Browns trade Baker Mayfield for Aaron Rodgers? But you know, I posted this as a poll, and it came back eighty percent. Everybody's like, "Yeah, duh, duh." They should they should do that. But Bruning is in the minority. We'll we'll let him be in the minority there. All right. Um, let's do some housekeeping. Something a little more uh, less less contentious. Matt Bruning. Um, we I can't even remember why we were giving oh once we got past 60 reviews and we've definitely gotten past 60 and um, we have a jersey to give away so burning I'm going to turn it over to you all right so here is uh my little picker wheel thing because that's all that I could use for the amount of names on here um so I do have some unfortunate bad news if you guys just submitted a rate, but you did not DM any of us, you unfortunately did not get entered in for the Javante Williams jersey because I have no way to find out who actually rated it. The only thing that pops up on Apple is the reviews. Now, some of you did send in DMs. Uh, I know I've got a couple of them on the Discord. There's one I got on my DMs on Twitter, so you are in here. If you rated the pod in the past, we're missing about 12 people. If you rated the pod, you can do it again. We'll give another jersey away in the future, and I'll make sure you get entered into that one. Anybody who doesn't win one uh, will get entered into the next one. But I just wanted to give you a heads up now. If you don't see your name on there, that's why, unfortunately. All these people left reviews or DM'd one of us with uh, the rate so that we had it. So that's the 45 people minus the two people from the past. And then there was a couple of us in there as well, Colin, Dwight, myself. Or I didn't rate it, um, but... There's other people with C2C that I did not put them on here, so I'm pretty sure I just hit this button right here. There we go. Nice and easy. I don't, I don't know if I need to hit it again. The wheel it. is no, spinning. We've got it's a moving. spinning wheel. Oh, like fucking, wheel of fortune. Oh. Okay, never mind. And it lands on Mr. Raw. Mr. Raw. Does anybody know who that is? Nope. I thought it was. Mr. I thought that was PJ for a second Mr. there when I called him Mr. Raw. So, Mr. Raw, if you are out there, um, reach out to any one of us or reach out to the Debbie Debate Twitter page, and we will get you that uh, Javante Williams jersey. Thank you, Mr. Raw. And thank everyone for um, rating and reviewing the show. We really appreciate it. And keep those rates and reviews uh, coming in. All right, uh, Austin. Let's. So we are doing our listener league. And we, I don't know how many spots that we've taken up, probably like six or seven at this so. point. Yeah. But next week is the final week. We got to pick everybody. Uh, so if you send an email, you're good. If you want to send a better email, you can, you can send it. But we're going to pick the remaining um, participants in the listener league next week. So get your entries in. That's debbydebate at gmail.com. DebbieDebate at gmail.com. We're going to give away one spot uh, this evening. And, Austin, I'll let you give away that spot. 
Yeah, so uh, this week we are giving it away to uh, Dylan McKeege, I think is how you say his name. And I, I've seen him on Twitter before. I know who that is. Um, and he just said, uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year's. I am a new listener to the show, as I've only listened to a few months, but I've been listening to the old ones to catch up. And I wanted to start off this request uh, to join your listener league by stating, give me the guy from Boston over Kirk Herbstreet as a guest host any day of the week. Man's really wicked and made last week's show a blast. So there you go. Shout out to our guy Shaq. Second thing is, if I joined the Listener's League, I would be Santa Claus as having one year's experience of Campus to Canton. I would most likely be giving you gifts year-round. Third, for Felix, uh, us Michigan Wolverines fans need to stop standing up as we have been sat down by Ohio State for too many years to count anymore. When can the bleeding stop? The pod and the whole Campus to Canton staff has really helped my drive into this new format and make it a lot easier. The love for Jameer Gibbs, B. John Robinson, Grant Gannell, and the guys I would have never heard of or strategies like Zero QB have definitely kept my head churning for more. Can't wait to continue to listen to y'all every week and to hopefully steal some of your guys in the Listener League. Santa, signed Santa Claus, milk and cookies eaten. <laughs> uh, Dylan, thank you very much for your your entry. Um, you are in the league. We're going to be getting started soon because we, you know, people draft slow, so we got to get this draft started. Get your entries in. All right, now let's have some fun. Speaking of drafts, each of us came up with um, a couple of players that we do not want to draft that you will not see. Uh, on our rosters in the listener league quarterback running back and wide receiver tonight let's get into this burning who is your first uh guy on your do not draft list uh so starting at the quarterback position i am going with slovis kind of took an easy way out here with him as i've been talking about how i'm not big on him anyway so our recent adp data has him at 24.6 um so that's right obviously at the end of the second round, I just don't see it with him. You know, we had a, a pretty big debate on him during our QB summit. I'm pretty sure there's a couple guys at the site who still like him. I just don't think he's going to secure that round one draft capital that a lot of people are talking about. I know that he looked really good his freshman season. Last year, there's all the talk that he had the shoulder injury, I believe is what it was, that kind of led to him not playing well in just the six games. He threw for 1,921 yards, 17 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Just didn't look great. And I know uh, – and, Austin, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this. During their spring game, wasn't it – was it Dart that they were talking about looked better than him already? Uh, or not the yeah, spring game Dart, during practices? D yeah, Dart reportedly looked much better in practice. And I think he had – like they, they kind of were even in the spring game, but Dart had a couple more m more impressive throws, I guess, so to speak, yeah. in air quotes. So, yeah. so the fact that he's still being pushed up ahead of guys like, you know, we've talked about on here, Carson Strong, Matt Corral, and in Debbie Leagues, I've seen a lot of other people's Debbie rankings who still have him as like the third or fourth QB to be drafted. I mean, I – I would rather take a guy like Malik Willis in my Debbie draft because of just the value I think you're going to get from him with when his value skyrockets and the the way that you'll be able to trade him later for more value than he will a guy like Keenan Slovis because I just don't see – I don't think Slovis gets that first-round draft capital. And if he gets second-round draft capital, using a term from Felix, the cement shoe stuff is not going to work for him, I think, in the NFL. I, I don't think he's going to be an overall very good NFL prospect. So at quarterback, he's the guy that I am not drafting – practically at all i mean he's gonna have to fall to like the fifth or sixth round before i take a shot at him and even then it's just because i want a guy who might be able to put up some decent points for me in the college game i think i was talking with debbie matt a couple maybe a week or two ago on twitter and and i kind of came to this realization about you know not only do i agree with everything you just said about that 
But if he doesn't look better than he did as a freshman, his value plummets, right? Like that's a huge risk to take. Like because you were taking him as a freshman, assuming that there was growth. And like there was an obvious downward trajectory last year. So he has to be better than he was as a freshman. And I'm just not sure how likely, like he could be the same. And that's like, he wasn't a first round pick as a freshman. Like we just, you know, thought he would improve. So I think that's like a huge risk factor that I haven't heard a lot of people talk about uh, in regards to him. Am I, should I go next or? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Everyone else is yeah. muted. I guess well, I'll just I was keep talking. Head, so I was, I was done. <laughs> Um, so I, I, I wrote down Dylan, Dylan Gabriel for mine, who is basically just cheap knockoff Keaton Slovis, which is really not good since none of us like Slovis in the first place. He has a worse arm. Like he's like, wor- his accuracy is worse, but they're the same kind of player. You know, Gabriel's a little more mobile, but he, he's still kind of on the tinier side. Um, you know, he's had two pretty good years, but he's still barely hitting 60% completion in the AAC, which granted is a, a semi-decent defensive conference as far as mid-majors go, but it's not, you know, the SEC or the Big Ten or, you know, some of these bigger conferences that, that you know, just it, it's a bunch of NFL guys and there, there aren't, you know, consistently a ton of those guys are in the AAC. Um, I, I question his arm strength. You know, he, he's, he's done, he's worked pretty well downfield in college, but I talked about this on the campus to Canton pod with Colin. I think at one point he like, he's putting everything he can into it and he can't loft the ball at all. Like he has to drive it sort of in like on like a, a almost like a straight plane or else he can't get it there. That does not work in the NFL. Safeties will eat that up all day. And the other thing is with um, uh, Hoop, Hypel or Hoople or however you say it, leaving to Tennessee, uh, he's now cursed with um, – oh, wow. His name just totally went out of my head. Former Auburn coach. Malzahn, sorry. Yeah, was, Gus, yeah, Gus, yeah, Gus Malzahn's there now. That's going to do nothing for that offense. Like that, That's horrible for Gabriel's development. Gus Malzahn has never developed a quarterback in his entire life. So I, I do think Gabriel's stock has slid this offseason. I think people are aware of these issues, but um, you, I, I wouldn't take him in like the, the 16th or 17th round of like a, a C2C, and he goes way before that. Um, that's like the earliest I would think about taking him. So I, I, I will have zero Dylan Gabriel. I probably honestly won't have any UCF offense as a whole. I'm kind of out on Jalen Robinson as well for that very same reason. I, I think that offense just takes a huge step back. I'm not going to have any of Brock Vandergriff, and I was very high on Brock Vandergriff coming into the season. Um, but coach, in the NFL, coaches cannot lie once the NFL draft comes. And you see the players that they take. That You can have all the coach speak that you want, but when the NFL draft comes, um, you understand a team's true intentions. Well, it's the same way with, rep, with reps that college coaches college coaches give their players especially at the quarterback position where you can only give uh, uh, reps to one player at a time in the spring game the depth chart was JT Daniels Stetson Bennett and then after Stetson Bennett Carson Beck uh, was the first of the freshmen on the field and then Brock Vandegrift wasn't even fourth he was fifth to Jackson Muschamp Um, And then generally looked scattered and uh, just not in sync when he did get his reps. And I'm just concerned that if you are, first of all, if you haven't beaten out Stetson Bennett, then that's somewhat of a problem. Same with Carson Beck, even though Carson Beck looked decent in the spring game, but he wasn't as highly touted as Brock Vandegrift was. Um, And then again, just did not look um, 
he was just wildly inaccurate. You had the ball just hitting the ground uh, on back-to-back passes. Like, he was very inaccurate. So, And I've seen Brock – I mean, when I see Brock Vandegrift in freshman drafts and in C2C startup drafts go, I feel like, okay, that's – to me, that's someone who's not paying attention. He's going entirely too early because at the, at the most – I mean, they said it during the spring game. He is repping with the threes for the most part, some twos, um, but for the most part, he's repping with the threes at most. So um, he's going to have, even when JT Daniels is gone, he's still going to have um, some obstacles to climb to get on the field for Georgia. So I am out on Brock Vandegrift. Bernie, who you got at running back? Uh, running back, now this one might be a little bit more controversial. I'm going Kyron Williams, uh, running back out of Notre Dame. I, you know, Austin and me have talked about. If you're in our Discord, we we've had many discussions about him. Talked about it with uh, Kevin Coleman, does Debbie Royale, Debbie Ryder for Fantasy Pros. I know he likes him a little bit. So does uh, his co-host Christian Williams. I don't love his size. Obviously, that's the biggest knock on him. Number one, he's listed at five nine one ninety five. One thing I've learned over the past couple of years, these guys are listed bigger on these depth charts than they really are. So I wouldn't be surprised if he comes in a little bit lower than that. Secondly, you've got Jack Cohen likely taking over this year at quarterback. You know, maybe he'll rush as much as Ian Book did last year. Ian Book had over a hundred and fifty. I'm sorry, 116 rushes last year, but Chris Tyree, who is a freshman that I really liked coming onto that team, still had 73 rushes and looked better. His yards per average were better, 6.8 compared to Kyra Williams, 5.3. They're pretty much the same when it came to the average and the receiving yards. Now, Kyron Williams got 35 compared to Chris Tyree's 8. I think Chris Tyree is going to take a step up even more this year, eat into some of Williams' production, rushing, and catching the ball on that team. I'm not even sure Notre Dame makes the playoffs next year. They have a pretty tough schedule. I think they get Cincinnati. Uh, There's somebody else they play. I wouldn't be surprised if they lose both of those games, which is going to knock them out. Very interesting discussion with the playoff thing. I know you guys talked a little bit about last week that was overlooked with Notre Dame. Uh, You can only get a bye week if you're in a conference now. So I'm wondering if Notre Dame eventually tries to uh, go and join into a conference. But that's a discussion for another day. There's just a bunch of other running backs in this 2022 class that have the size and I think are right around the same rushing the ball. Maybe don't have quite as good feet and footwork that Kyron Williams does and decent pass catching. Tyler Algier, 5'11", 220. You know, I've been big on Raymond Davis. He's not much bigger, but a little bit bigger, 5'9", 210. Austin Jones, 5'10", 210. Kevin Harris, 5'10", 225. All these guys are bigger than Kyron Williams, I think, could produce at the same level as Kyron Williams. And what we saw last year in the NFL draft is what really kind of made me worried for Kyron Williams is how devalued those smaller running backs were. You have all these running backs coming out this year who are bigger and can produce likely right around the same that Kyron Williams does. I would not be surprised if he starts falling down the draft boards and ends up like a Kenneth Gainwell going in the fourth or fifth round which to me means he's not going to have the draft capital to be a guy you're expecting when you take him in the second round of your Debbie and C2C startups. His size is a problem for him, but he is an extremely well-rounded player right down to his pass blocking. I mean, he can put linebackers on their – he has put linebackers on their backs. He's got the former wide receiver credentials and, you know, is a decent pass catcher and then is a relatively explosive athlete. I have a problem with small running backs too, but when you look at the 2022 class – even if you look at the 2023 class and you compare him to guys like, you know, Zach Evans and that and that tier of player, I think he fares he's fine. He's he's not he's not going to be, you know, Bijan or the the 2020 class. He's not one of those players, but um in that tier there aren't there aren't that many guys that I would put 
ahead of him. I think that the um, deficiency of talent at the running back position should be the reason why he, next year in the 2022 class, why he makes the jump. He should not, he should not wait until 2023 to come out. He should come out next year. He could, I mean, he could be the third running back taken. And we are, we know that the value at that position is um, uh, that, that position has been devalued. I, I could, because he is so well-rounded of a player, I can see him being taken on day two. So I, I agree with you. He's got everything. I, I don't disagree. The size, though, does worry me. And I will say again with the production, we've seen smaller backs or backs right around his size produce more than he has, and he's doing it at a bigger school as well. I mean, Kenneth Gainwell was at Memphis, right? I'm not remember, misremembering that. I mean, he put up better stats at Memphis than Kyron Williams has, and look at what he got. Again, I just think Kyron Williams is going to have to produce to get that draft cap because I do agree with you. He's a very good running back. I'm not diminishing his skills at all. It's all solely based on his size, and if Chris Tyree comes in there and eats into some of his production, I think that's going to end up hurting his draft capital as well. Yeah, I mean, I think those are both pretty compelling arguments uh, uh for and against him i will say that i i like i i i think that chris tyree probably should eat into his his workload but we all know how conservative brian kelly is there like i it wouldn't shock me if chris tyree gets the same exact amount of touches he did last year um and with mr you know conservative jack Cohn at quarterback like i don't understand what what the hell like why if you're if you're an athlete on offense don't go to notre dame it's the worst it's the worst decision you could ever make like I, I'm sorry, it, it just really, really is. Um, I also really just dislike Notre Dame as a whole, so that's a whole other thing. Um, I disagree. So, you could go to the team up north as well. I'm sorry, continue. That's true. They, they've they've ruined some guys over the past few years. Um, so I chose Jerry and Ely, who I talk about all the time. So maybe this was a little bit of a cheating one for me. Uh, you want to talk about Kyron Williams being being small though? Jerry on Ely's five nine one eighty. He's tiny, tiny, tiny. I would almost even kind of doubt that he's 180. Like, he's just not a big guy. You know, he runs, he does run a little bit bigger than his size would suggest. So, congratulations. Like, you know, uh, but he's, you know, like, eh. I, he doesn't do anything like exceptionally, in my opinion. You know, like, he's a pretty good cat, pass catcher, but not like, you know, just this explosive guy in the passing game. You know, he's not amazing between the tackles. He can return kicks at a pretty decent level, but I've also seen him just get absolutely stacked up on kick returns, like which should never happen for a small guy like him. And the other problem with him is that they they kind of rotate. How's it going, Jeff? Nice to see you. Um, they they rotate backs there. Like they'll run two or three backs this year. They'll have Snoop Connor involved. They'll have um, uh, Henry Parrish involved. They'll they'll have other backs there. So I don't even think he's like everyone's like. Well, he's going to produce a lot in college. Last year, he put up in nine games 745 rushing yards and 155 receiving yards. Like, that's not an amazing season for this guy that's supposed to be this crazy at. So, like, and he's not going to produce for me in college. And then we just saw, you know, 195 gets you drafted, 180, you're Javian Hawkins, and you're not getting drafted. There, I mean, there, there's a line there somewhere. I don't know what pound in between 195 and 180 we say that, it, that you hit it, but he's definitely below it. So, I don't think he gets drafted. Or, you know, not not earlier than, like, the sixth round. And that's not a guy that I... Like, his best-case scenario is that he's Naheem Hines, mm-hmm. right? Like, that that's the best-case scenario for him. That's not a guy that's worth, you know, spending a fifth-round draft pick or something. Or, you know, in Debbie, I've seen him going, like, you know, third-round-ish in drafts. And that's just... I mean, is I he get a five-star recruit, Austin? 
I mean, because I think that his status is being elevated by his recruiting pedigree um, because there's no way that, you know, the community should be as high on a player who is that that small, who is that, who is that small. He was a five-star, and in high school he was listed at 5'10", 200. Yeah. Was just LOL. So he lost an inch and 20 pounds somewhere along the line down his way to Mississippi. So Yeah, and then when he weighs in at the combine, he'll probably lose another inch yep. in, in, in five or ten pounds. Um, the guy that I picked for tonight, uh, the running back, doesn't have a problem with size. He's 6'2", 215. That's Zach Charbonnet uh, going from Michigan, going back home to California to play with UCLA and Chip Kelly. And anytime I hear the argument for Zach Charbonnet, it's, oh, well, he's going to Chip Kelly's system. I, you know, that's fine, but I've never seen, and as good as a freshman season as Zach Charbonnet had, he never, to me, looked like uh, a player who ran at that size, 6'2", 215, like he was very hard to bring down, like he was an explosive athlete, like he was a player that linebackers were scared to tackle. He's kind of a lumberer. He's kind of a lumberer, and then in 2020, he loses touches to Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum. Um I don't think that Zach Charbonnet is a very good player, and he's he's, and I can't find any verified testing for him. And I think that that's because he's just quite frankly he's not a very good athlete. Uh, maybe I'm wrong on that, but when I watch Zach Charbonnet's um, film from his uh, 2019 season, I see a player who is getting a lot of open holes and and making the most which I, you, you can't tell a lot from when somebody's running through a wide open gap you know you, you can learn whether or not they can win the race with the linebackers but you don't really learn a whole lot i don't think he's in a he's a great tackle breaker um his stats say that he's not efficient in the passing game he's just not a player that is going to be on my um on, on a lot of my rosters and i think i have him ranked 79 and i'm definitely the lowest on zach charbonnet uh, of the campus to Canton guy. So, all right. It's, it's interesting just to throw this in here real quick. I, I never necessarily noticed this before, but he had 20, he had a ton of offers coming out of high school. And usually for like these, like he was, he's the fourth ranked running back in his class. Usually they'll have like a bunch of big programs. I mean, just listen to his offer list here and notice some of the teams that aren't on there. Arizona, Arizona state, Boise state, Boston college, Cal, Colorado, <laughs> Florida, Iowa State, LSU, Michigan State, Nebraska, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Oregon State, San Jose State, TCU, Tennessee, UCLA, Utah, Washington, Washington State, Wisconsin, USC. Like no Alabama, you know, no no Auburn, Ohio no, State, yeah, no yeah like any of these big yeah. schools. Like none of them offered him, so that should probably be you know these schools miss on them, but not all, all of them don't miss on one guy in terms of offering. So, and I would like to figure this out, but I don't trust california high school um prospects you know if he because zach charbonnet was really good in high school i think he put up 2400 yards one season if he did that in texas that would tell if he did it in georgia if he did it in florida that would tell me one thing um but i'm i'm a little iffy on california high school prospects all right burning um who you got at wide receivers on your do not draft list so we're going to talk a little bit about my Ohio State Buckeyes, and it's Julian Fleming, and I still don't understand why he's getting drafted so highly. He's got all the talent in the world, a lot like Kyron Williams, so I just talked about the running back position, and I wish I could remember who was talking about this. It may have been you, Austin, and Mike 
Bainbridge. I'm not sure. I just listened to your guys' episode on my flight back from Disney World. These teams keep drafting these wide receivers who are physically gifted, Julian Fleming, DeMoss, I'm sure there's others, but aren't very good wide receivers, if that makes sense. And it's not panning out for them. Julian Fleming, I think, is going to be another one of those guys here. Right now, his ADP is 57. He is going in the late fourth round. Okay, you and Colin. Late fourth round, the 10th wide receiver off the board. The highest person on in our group has him ranked at 31 right now, wide receiver, and that's me. And as we just learned with the Mario Williams discussion earlier, my rankings are a little bit messed up right now. There's going to be some change. He's not going to be at 31. He's going to be lower once my right rankings are updated at wide receiver uh, tomorrow. He's going ahead of guys like Parker Washington, Zay Flowers, Jalen McMillan, and your guy Austin, Jaden Wally. All of which at this point I would take college-wise and possibly even NFL future over Julian Fleming because all those guys are likely going to produce on the college level more than what I think Julian Fleming is going to do over the next two years. He's already been supplanted by two freshmen and Emeka Ibuka and Marvin Harrison Jr. I don't think he's I, I do think he's going to play this year and I do think he'll be in that second rotation. He'll get time. But I'm just not sold that he's going to end up producing and being this number one overall wide receiver that everybody expected him to be. And so with that, without the production, I, I understand he's got the five stars. And some NFL teams do care about that. They look into that when they draft these players. But if he's not producing at all at Ohio State, which is considered to have a very good offense with Ryan Day, he's not going to get that draft capital at all. And you're taking him again as the 10th wide receiver off the board in, in, in 80, for ADP and C2C and Debbie drafts. That's just way too high. If he was going off right around the 30 range like we were talking about, I'd have no issue with that pick whatsoever because you're betting on the upside, right? You're betting on him breaking out this year or in his junior year with Ohio State, maybe comes back for that senior year and has a really good year like possibly Chris Olave does this year. But 10th wide receiver, you're you're taking a big bet, in my opinion, that he's going to become what we hoped he was going to be coming out of uh, high school, and I just don't see it. I'm hoping and praying as, as a Buckeye fan and someone who likes Fleming – that it was more just the COVID year last year and all that stuff. But I just – I haven't seen it, and I feel like you're just – the 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 money that you have to put down on him in your drafts, take him as the 10th wide receiver, 57th overall again in the fourth round, is just too much for me. We're all off him. I think it's funny that, um, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba only had 10 catches, but he had that one in the opening game where he dragged his foot along the sideline. And it and it only takes, you know, one play for your va- – for your – value to either be maintained or to or to continue to increase i mean i remember seeing it with amir abdullah in the preseason against uh the 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 jets um but julian fleming didn't have that one play to send him into the moon um and it doesn't look like he's going to because he's not starting there next year so the best case scenario for julian fleming is that we get a you know a guy who's in a starting rotation as a junior and then we have to hope that there's just there are too many things that have to align for him to become relevant. I still think that he's a great athlete. I think I still think that the speed is there, the size is there. I think that he could still be if he went to another place where he could get playing time as a starter that he would be fine. But that's not going to happen at Ohio State, and we're going to keep talking about that because I just don't understand why kids continue to go to a loaded depth chart where there is no space for them to emerge there just there just isn't i think it's a uh, dumb decision but so i want to ask you guys just this this quick question then i'll toss it to matt first um 
just to give it a direction here to start off, um, there there is always a voice, I think, in the back of your head that tells you to possibly hedge some of these guys like a Julian Fleming. Yeah. You know, like you you don't you don't want to put them at one oh two. Because then, you know, if he blows up, then everyone's like, you're stupid. He had this pedigree and this athletic profile and you put him like, so there's always that, that voice in the back of your head that's telling you, you know, don't, don't just like totally dismiss this guy. At what point though, do you, you know, him, DeMoss, you know, anybody that's like that, you know, like at what point do you start saying, okay, like the, the dream is over with this kid? Uh, I, w- I don't want to say over, but if he does nothing again this year, I'm probably out on him completely. And Would then, he drop to like a 102? Like no, I don't he think he'll ever drop to a 102 because, again, he's in that offense. He's in an offense where, assuming coming back his junior year, you know, I know they've got Caleb Burton and there's someone else uh, that just committed recently that was a high uh, four-star prospect uh, for the 2022 class. I can't remember who it was. I would imagine – Going into that junior year, he, he would still get some run, or maybe he transfers. I don't know. I've been saying from the beginning that I thought he was going to transfer. Maybe he doesn't do anything this year. He transfers to another school and is able to produce. So he would never drop. I mean, I think 30 is a fairly decent rank for him. Like, I'm looking at our rankings right now. Uh, where did he go? There's some guys behind him. You know, Marvin Harrison Jr. might bump up ahead of him soon. I still I think it's too early to do it now. If I'm being honest, as someone who really likes him, I already I mean, did you that know. shit, baby. Well, I already did that shit. We had a massive argument about Marvin Harrison on the wide receiver summit. And but you like, were right. You were right. You know, C.J. Johnson, if he bounces back this year at ECU, I can see him jumping him. You know, Jahan Dotson, if he has another good year at, at Penn State. There's guys below him. You know, Felix has the got next five wide receiver. Yeah, the next five wide receivers yeah. are Marvin Harrison Jr., Troy Franklin, Troy O'Meary, CJ uh, Johnson, and Jahan Dotson. I mean, I would take all of those guys over. And I mean, really I hate funny. to say, just <laughs> scrolling down the list a little bit, there's two guys even further down. And maybe this is more because I, you know, I value winning on the college side. I'd almost take a Calvin Austin over him because of what he's going to do on the college level. I think he's going to get draft capital next year. Jonathan Mingo as well. Like, he's got to produce this year for me. And I won't be out of him. If he does something, even if it's just, you know, 500 yards or whatever, and like Felix just said, has a really good catch or shows that explosiveness and that special ability we expected from him, then he's not going to move much for me. But if he does absolutely nothing like he did his freshman season, yeah, I don't see how you can continue to hope. I just, you know, Moxley will join us at the end of the show so he can talk about this in the after show, but channeling my inner Chris Moxley and Jared Backus, it's not good if you don't break out to your third year. It's really not good if you don't break out in your second year. You've got to break out in your first year. So if he's not breaking out till his junior year, I just I just don't see it. I don't think he's going to get that draft capital unless he goes out and has like a massive Devonta Smith season, but as a junior. So I, I have him 17 spots below Calvin Austin in my rankings. See, that's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. I, I don't think I have Austin ahead of him as much as I love I, Austin. I have Fleming 54th in like the, the cohort oh. that's around him. Uh, Marcus Rosemey, Coy Moore, Arian Smith, Daniel Jackson, Reggie Roberson, Elijah Canyon. A bunch of other guys besides Roberson that like yeah. we're waiting for them to do something. Like that that's the crew that he's hanging with right now. It's not a you know, a group you feel amazing about any of them. So um, right. so yeah right. okay cool um so my wide receiver speaking of this is reggie roberson you know who, who i have right there along with julian fleming um and it really actually hurts me to say uh so my 
I think my first Twitter thread I ever did uh, about a year and a half ago uh, was about Reggie Roberson, who I loved in the 2019 or was this thre- this draft the 2021 draft. So it would have been the 2020 draft. I loved him for the 2020 draft. He was a top 10 wide receiver for me in the class. I liked him infinitely more than his teammate James Proch, who was like getting all the hype at the time. And I thought Roberson was so much, you know, uh, Proch was like his, his ceiling was like a, a small possession guy in the NFL. Um, like who who's the San Francisco um, slot guy that you were talking about? For, going back to that third episode that we ever did, Felix, that you did your... Trent Taylor? Yes. He's basically like, you know, it's like a Trent Taylor, you know, like that kind of guy. That was James Proch. And Reg Roberson is like a legitimate field stretcher, strong at the catch point, you know, really good, really good athlete, nice burst, you know, a decent size of six foot 200. I thought he had a lot of stuff working for him. I thought if he'd come out that year, he could have been like a third round draft pick, even in a really deep wide receiver class. I just thought he was that level of a kid. But then he went back to school. And then he played well last year, but then he got hurt. And now he's back for a fifth year, coming off an ACL injury, lost his starting quarterback. You know, the SMU offense will probably always be pretty good. You know, it's either going to be Tanner Mordecai or uh, Preston Stone this year at quarterback. But you've got to capitalize on the momentum. He didn't do it. And now I'm just totally out on a fifth-year kid that's been around for forever. You know, he, he played his freshman year in 2017 at WVU. That's a that's a lifetime ago, and and you know how these things work. It it just really really is. So I, I'm out on him. I'll let somebody else draft him. And it's really odd. Like sometimes we do these drafts, he goes like in the 11th round, and then sometimes we do them and he goes in like the 35th. Like it doesn't really seem like there's any in between. So you either have his stands that are still kind of hanging on, or every you know, everybody else is just so far out on him. I think he's extremely comp- comparable to Marcus Stevenson, who has a similar play style, body type, and everything. And Marcus Stevenson was taken what in the he was taken day three. Yeah. And I think he actually landed in a good situation in Buffalo. Um, could be a field stretcher for them. Um, but that's what you got to hope for for Reggie Roberson. Um, so you know, t- my guy, take everything that that Burning said about Julian Fleming and and compound it and times it by two. And that applies to G. Scott. Um, that 2020 class was highly touted with Jackson Smith and Jigba, Julian Fleming, Mookie Cooper, and one G. Scott. And it and they've and none of those guys are going to pan out except for maybe Jackson Smith and Jigba uh, at Ohio State. G. Scott was asked to change positions and and gain weight, so he's going to tight end. Um, he, he's not going to get on the field this year. I mean, I, I I don't know if it was on this show or in our chat where he said over under two catches this season for for G Scott. I would take uh, take the under. It's just I I actually really get up a little bit upset thinking about you know these highly touted kids going to that school and then their careers being handled the way they are. At least Mookie Cooper got out of Ohio State and he's going to have an opportunity. Um, at Missouri, but uh, G Scott, I just think was mishandled. And I think that he's a really good player. An excellent route runner was one of my favorite players to watch last year during the recruiting cycle, watching his highlights, um, it, you know, asking him to change his body type and, and, and change position and not even his freshman season in the middle of, in the middle of the off season of, of going into his sophomore season. I just, I'm not drafting G Scott. I don't know that he can, um, turn out as a tight end because he hasn't played the position. He hasn't played the position. All right. Chris Moxley, 
get in here. That's our do not draft list. We were pretty good tonight, right? What do you, what do you got, Chris? Well, y'all were stellar last week. Um, this week you came kind of crashing back down to earth. We had a lot. We had a lot of uh, dings on y'all's resumes today. This guy, Felix and Matt both could drink ding for the intro for different reasons. Felix not handing over it to Matt. Matt for bad radio. Um, well, and then the next one, not exactly an inaccuracy, but Matt is definitely wrong about Baker versus Aaron Rodgers. Um, and then Austin said Malzahn has never developed a quarterback but he was the quarterback coach for Cam Newton. Um, feels like a, a big miss there. And uh, we, I will give Colin Finnerty a shout out. Rest in peace. He's the winningest quarterback ever, was a D2 player of the decade, but is not in the College Football Hall of Fame. Okay. Forgot. My locker roommate is right next to me. Cam Newton it? was a finished product before he got That's to That's what Auburn. I was going to say. He was <laughs> – I mean, I will disagree with that. You got everything else right. Cam Newton was a pop. He also, he also got Jared Stidham drafted. Touche. I'll, 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 I'll see the argument. That was, that was about the page. Facts and figures, Chris Moxley. All right. That is going to be our show for tonight. You can find um, – uh, check out all the, the content around the Campus to Canton family including this podcast on the Campus of Canton channel, along with Canton Bound, Campus Life, Fantasy Roundtable, and Why Wait Till Sunday. Apologies to Kirk Herbstreet. We ran out of time, but we will get him rescheduled very, very soon. For Matt Burning and Austin Nace, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25, and Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State national champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama. Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama. And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years. Their 17th overall. And for Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks to the end zone. Hunter and Bell caught it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro. And Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill, just in front of his end zone, has a man out there. It is Ranger, and he's off to the races. Nobody will catch him. Freshman. Made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry. He'll add to that. Goodbye. Touchdown, Ohio State. From 52 yards.